Welcome to Focused on Life, where we are laser focused on all things that have to do with human dignity, human rights, and yes, human life at every stage and phase of development. I am your host, Uju. And I am your other host, Matt. And we are grateful to you, dear friends, for being with us today. Hello, Matt. Hey, Uju. How are you doing? Yeah, I am happy and grateful to be here today, Matt. Uh, To tell you the truth, I'm super excited because not only were we able to take off with this project, this podcast project focused on life, but we are still here. Episode two, we have managed to still come back, appear, show up, and and, and, uh, now we are embarking on our episode two, and I'm just very happy about that. Yeah, we're we're here. It's it's official. Like now we can't stop. <laughs> we cannot give up anymore. I know a lot of the time it, the hardest part is just starting. So we started and now we got to continue. And uh and I'm I I am I'm I'm excited for this journey of doing this podcast and uh, there's so much to talk about. Yes. Uh, but for this particular episode, uh, we decided to uh, uh just go right for it and uh, discuss something that I think uh, hopefully will be informative to our audience. Exactly. What are we talking about today, Matt? What are we talking about today? Episode two, we're going to focus on the human rights issue of our time. So Uju, what is the biggest human rights issue of our time? Yeah, so I will be the first to admit that looking around, looking at what's happening around the world, the world we live in today, at least, um, we cannot deny that there are so many human rights abuses. There are many, many groups of people who are suffering all kinds of injustices in various places, in various communities. But by far, Matt, by far, the human, the biggest human rights abuse issue of our time is abortion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know what? Just look at the numbers. Look, look at, at the, the numbers. numbers. Look at the numbers. It's like, I think at the end of last year, something like more than 42 million abortions around the world. Um, Looking at what is happening from one country to the next, uh, the abortion statistics every time uh, never fails to to bother the mind or boggle the mind. I, I just saw something on Facebook actually the other day. The numbers for 2022 uh, for the abortions that were uh, that were done in France, uh, something like 200,000, you know, it's in the hundreds of thousands. And I'm thinking like, this is the story, not just for France, not just for Nigeria, not just for Canada, not just for the United States. It's whatever country you're in, by the time the abortion statistics comes out, if you look at it, and I tell you friends, just go and take a look at what the, the, the most recent available abortion statistics in your own country, it always boggles the mind. Always, Matt. Yeah. So there are millions and millions of uh, human beings, of children before birth who are killed every single day around the world. And if that is not the biggest human rights injustice of our time, then I, I don't know what is. I mean, there were, there's, you know, suffering, human suffering has been a part of the history of humankind ever since the beginning, right? But just exactly. the the way uh, we have the way we have almost normalized abortion, I would say, 
right? Where, where it's something that people don't think of it as a human rights abuse, as a human rights injustice. They just say, oh, you know, 100,000 abortions happened this year or, you know, in, in uh, or we're funding hundreds of million dollars for abortions in this country and that country. And it becomes this, it, it's become normalized and almost uh, it, it, we lose, I think, the, the, the real tragedy here is lost. Yeah. Right. And I'll say, Matt, um, let's just kind of go go to the the beginning, the basics, because here we're here we're talking about the numbers, which I think is kind of the end point, um, because the abortion occurs, and then by the end of every year, the statistics would then be gathered and then it's put out. And sometimes I think many of us look at the statistics and we tend to forget the the actual rubrics, the actual beginning. And for those who don't like graphic, uh, you know. You know, graphic descriptions. Don't worry, I will not be giving a graphic description of abortion, but I do still want to go back to the basics because I, you know, I am a scientist by profession. For those who don't know, I work as a biomedical scientist. So I work in a science as a scientist in a healthcare setting. And one of the things I find is that over the years, in whatever hospital I've worked, one major aspect of healthcare is the care of the obstetric care, the care of moms and babies during pregnancy, is postnatal care, the care of moms and babies after, after they have given birth. So there is no day in my almost 20 year profession as a scientist that I have not been in some way part of the care team taking care of a mom and you know a, a pregnant mother um, ch checking the blood test checking the baby's situation trying to find out the best care for this woman trying to you know bring things to to the prenatal department or the postnatal department or the antenatal department depends on on, on where you know what stage where we're at um, and I see in healthcare every day as a healthcare professional, the amount of care, the amount of expertise, the amount of, of goodwill, of effort, genuine effort of so many healthcare professionals to make sure moms and babies in the womb are being cared for, Matt. So what then shocks me, and we'll talk about this a bit later from our various um historical background, like our, our various origins, like the fact that I come from Africa, what this actually entails, but I'm still talking about a health as a healthcare professional. It still bothers me that in that same healthcare setting, where so much goes into taking care of women during pregnancy, in that same system, we can all still close our eyes or be asked to close our eyes while some of these babies are being killed in the womb. So on one hand, it's like we're, we're using one side of the healthcare uh, facilities or, or one side of the healthcare institution to care for these babies, do every single thing possible to ensure the health of these, ba these babies in the womb. And on the other side, we're asked to completely shut down, you know, so that abortionists can can kill these same babies, babies at the same age, at the same stage of development, at this, you know, mothers at the same stage of pregnancy. Um, so these are just from my own little perspective, what I see and part of the reason why I feel that the, the fact that abortion has become what it is today in the society we find ourselves 
is a great injustice to this entire group of human beings, which would be the babies in the womb. That's right. And, and you know, I, um, uh, the, the, the late uh, former abortionist, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, uh, I know some of our viewers are very much familiar with him. Uh, he was an abortionist who then converted, became pro-life and outspoken. You know, and I've heard other doctors since him say a very similar, uh, paint a, sim a very similar picture to what you've just explained, where on one floor, you have a whole team of doctors doing everything they can to save the life of, let's say, a preemie, like a baby who was born uh, prematurely. They're doing everything. And, and amen to that. That is what we should be doing. Exactly. But then two floors down, a baby the same age is getting aborted, right? Is getting destroyed, is getting killed. And it's like, what is going on here? How, what have we, how has it come to this point that, um, you have human beings, innocent human beings being killed, right? And yeah. it's become so normalized and it's become okay, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I mean, that's why we believe this is, abortion is the biggest human rights injustice. Yes, because it is, in, Because it's also, it's also very twisted because you look at some political leaders and you look at the United Nations, which we mentioned in the first episode, and which, we'll keep like, which we will also keep mentioning. Which we will also keep mentioning. <laughs> but isn't it twisted how they've they've taken this this horrific injustice in yes. treatment of human beings and they've actually manipulated it and turned it into a human right, not a human you know a human injustice or a human yeah. wrong, let's say, but yes. it's become a human right. And I think that is what allows abortion to continue in every corner of the world. And mm -hmm. that is what allows for more and more babies to be killed. And, and that is why you see the numbers. And every single number is a human being. Was a child made in the image and likeness of God? And uh, man, oh man, this is, it's, uh, it's getting, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty intense, I would say. It is pretty intense, man. But another thing is this. I have some friends who are not pro-life, who are still not there yet, who are still not... Um, who have still not got the reason or the point why they should be seeing this from the point point and perspective of human a human rights issue rather than oh, a women empowerment issue or a reproductive justice issue. I mean, there are all these other things that they call it. But um, and these are my friends, you know, people I care about, people that I um, socialize with, you know, in, in many regards. Um, and it it saddens me, Matt. So I, I want to know from you, like, you know, the, some of the things that we, I could I could bring to them to make them more tuned to the fact that this is not about reproductive justice, as they put it. This is not how it's as it is being synthesized or being packaged and, and presented to public. This is something far deeper, something far more real, something that every person of goodwill should care about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the protection of the most innocent, right? You speak to, and you know, the, the interesting thing is, I, I too have uh, uh, friends and, and, and family members who don't, uh, you know, who aren't, who, who are okay with abortion. In some cases, they think it's, they do think it's a human right. And, you know, when you speak to them, about this issue i think you know the the for so many of them they just don't they don't want to talk about it okay they don't want yeah. to talk about the reality of what's actually happening 
Yes. But I believe that when we when we address this issue and we explain what actually happens, you know, for the most part, their eyes might be opened because they realize, wait a minute, I've been lying to. This isn't a woman's rights issue or a, like you said, reproductive justice. Mm-hmm. This is a human being. <laughs> and, and for the most part, everyone loves babies. Yeah. Right. Everyone loves babies. Whenever someone uh, uh, announces that they're pregnant, it's like a huge celebration for the most part. That is people right. like people acknowledge that that's a human being. That's a life. I'm going to be a grandparent. I'm going to be an aunt or an uncle, you know, or a sibling. And yeah. and on one hand and on the other hand, it's like if that child is maybe unwelcomed or unwanted or if the situation is uh, not uh, preferable to the parents there's this option of getting rid of this child, right? Yeah. And it's the kind of, you know how I talked about the efforts that we all, we who are in healthcare, in the healthcare industry, what the kind of efforts that really honestly go into each care that we give to a woman and her baby, knowing how fragile that baby is still in the womb. Um, every day I go to work, there's something you're working on. And sometimes these are not easy for me. I have to run these tests. And sometimes these are not easy tests. These are tests that I have to do with utmost care, with utmost attention. And I'm putting all these efforts. And I know for some of my colleagues and friends who are working in, say, in the ultrasound department and things like that, you know, day two, anytime they're, uh, they're supposed to or about to take the, you know, the, the sonogram or the ultrasound of a, of a pregnant woman to, to tell her or to show her the, the image of her baby, the heartbeat of her baby. We are putting the best of our knowledge. We, I mean, we go to school to train to do this and then eventually you learn to do this. And, and we medicine has, in fact, kept developing to the point where people, many people's profession is to take care of these babies in the womb. But at the same time, Matt, it gets me that in one small dark corner, there are people who are gathered developing at the same time methods, the best methods to use in killing the babies. Since it's, it, it's kind of, it's kind of mind boggling, isn't it? So it's like on one side, people are, are, are working hard to develop how we can keep this child alive and help to take care of this baby to make sure baby is healthy at, you know, to, to the very end when baby is delivered. And yet somebody is developing, say, the abortion pill, um, the abortion equipments, the, the, you know, developing some sort of method of actual abortion. And at the end, even those who don't want to see the truth here, from the point of and perspective of a healthcare professional, I am thinking of things like the remains, the, the unfortunate remains of the baby in the womb, because once abortion is done, you still have to somehow bring out, if the baby is killed, you still have to somehow bring out this child, still has to end up somewhere. So it will probably be in the clinical waste. Um, we're still talking about the disposal of these babies. Where do they go? These are the kind of questions that perhaps some of our friends who still are on the journey, still don't have not been able to confront this issue for what it really is. Even if you don't want to agree with someone who is maybe coming from a Christian perspective or you know a, a perspective of morality, why don't you look at it from that from that side, from that angle that the baby still the remains of the baby still has to be brought out. The little you know the little body and the tiny bodies will still have to go. Perhaps in the clinical waste, maybe worse 
maybe sometimes it goes into medical research, you know, that we don't even want to think about. Um, and the and then somewhere as well in the family tree of that child is a a, a father whose whose child has died. It's a grandmother who would not become a grandmother. Is a sibling who loses a sibling. Is even things like the future friends of this child. So it's a huge gap, and yet the silence is overwhelming from the medical industry, from the medical institution. The silence is overwhelming that on one side, you're developing cutting edge science, medical advancement, state of the art medical equipments to do the one thing. And then on the other side, you are also silently in the dark, I suppose, um, developing methods with which to most effectively um, kill the babies. So yeah, and and you know what, I would add that it's it's the silence in the medical world is it's not just um you know the medical world isn't the only world that's silent about these issues right Uh, look at the political world look at how many governments in the world are openly speaking about this right like you mentioned a very a very good point like an abortion is just not you know a termination of pregnancy but it's you're actually dealing with a human being a human mm-hmm. body yes. so what happens with that body after it's you know quote unquote terminated right what happens when that pregnancy ends and these are you know people do not want to talk about this and i think you know one of the solutions uh in, in or one of the things we can do in trying to bring an end to this human rights injustice of our time mm-hmm. is first and foremost, we have to talk about it. We have to speak openly and publicly about the unborn child because we, we owe it to all these children, to the millions and millions of children who have been killed by abortion. And we owe it to, like you said, the fathers who weren't aware of what happened or to the grandparents and even to the moms who maybe were coerced, were forced into this. Uh, did not they did they did not want to go through with this, but they still did it because of the pressure, the societal pressure. Yeah. So, yeah. Talking about yeah. So Matt, just as you said, we have to talk about it. Can we just kind of track back and try to talk about this from two our two different perspectives? Your perspective as somebody who was born and raised in the West. You're Canadian, right? For those who don't know, <laughs> uh, you're Polish Canadian. I suppose I can say that, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Your perspective as a as Western brought up, educated, and currently living in, and my own perspective, especially being born and raised in an African society and now in a Western society, can we kind of just talk a bit about that? Because you said, and it just occurred to me now, this is the best point to, to bring this up, because you said the, the best thing is to talk about it. So can, can you start by just telling us or telling our listeners about your perspective from a Western perspective? Point and then I'll I'll probably shed some light on the African um, the African story or background here. Yeah, for sure. I think well, I think it's important to you know living in Canada uh, most of my life. Um, I uh, uh, it's you know talking about abortion in Canada is not easy. Okay, uh, I mean I'm sure it's not easy in many places in the states as well and in Europe and around the world and in Africa. Asia and whatnot. But um, given the political climate of this country for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, talking about abortion is uh, it's it, you don't, no one wants to do it in the public forum or in the public square. And that is why the pro-life movement is really kind of taking most of the burden 
and 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 doing all this activism and, and speaking about abortion in the public square in you know in any ways they can uh, because the truth is our politicians do not want to talk about it and so what is the situation in Canada for those who don't know in Canada there is no legal protection for children before birth okay hmm. so uh, there's no legal protection uh, a child can be aborted and has been aborted uh, up until pretty much the moment of birth uh, there are some currently there are some investigations being done, some exposés on the possibility of children who have been born alive and then left to die after right. failed abortions. Um, there's been just just in the few past few months, there's been uh, uh, possibly there's been cases of extremely late term abortions happening in Canada especially after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, where, you know, Justin Trudeau mentioned, he kind of proclaimed to the world, like, we will save American women. If you want to kill your babies, come to Canada and we'll do it for you. Right. <laughs> and, and this is, this is insane, right? It's insanity. Crazy. So no legal protection. It's fully funded by taxpayers in Canada, fully funded. Um, in Ontario alone, the province where I live, I think it's about, uh, I mean, we, we, it's hard to know the exact stats because the government, <laughs> they don't release some of these stats where they're all kind of uh, pretty uh, muddy, uh, but uh, it's, you know, over $35 million of taxpayer dollars goes towards abortion and the abortion industry every single year in just my province of Ontario. Um, we talked about talking about abortion. Well, until, uh, I mean, we, we, people, most people could do it up until I would say the last five years where more and more provinces are now enacting bubble zone laws. So mm -hmm. essentially what these are is these are anti-pro-life speech bubble zones. So uh, for those who are doing 40 Days for Life or Life Chain or any type of street activism or counseling or sidewalk counseling for women, in some places, it's actually against the law to approach women or to even hold a sign or to even pray out loud uh, anywhere near uh, an abortuary or a hospital or where abortions are being committed. So even our right to talk about abortion in the public square is being limited. So in Canada, it's not looking too good. And mm. the truth is, it's gotten to this point because uh, truth be told, and this isn't, isn't quite the most popular opinion out there, at least amongst uh, Canadian conservatives, uh, the truth is, that there has been really no real opposition to Justin Trudeau's pro-abortion agenda over the last eight years, okay? There's been no opposition to that. Uh, yes, there are some MPs who bring it up, and, and there are some really brave MPs who introduce legislation, but time and time again, it gets shut down, and the truth is the leadership in all the parties they do not, well, Justin Trudeau can't stop talking about abortion. <laughs> exactly. Whereas, whereas all the other leaders don't want to talk about it because they think it's a losing issue. And um, and yeah, so that's the situation in Canada. And however, you know, we have about 100,000 abortions every year, about 300, almost 300 a day. Uh, so it's happening left, right and center. Again, the biggest killer of human beings compared to any other illness, disease or crime or anything like that in Canada and but you know the pro life movement i think is alive and when it gets really bad people start to wake up and and exactly. that's where we, that's where we're at right now in canada so hopefully that's a that, that's a good uh, very short summary of the canadian situation on this issue it certainly is Matt, because i think anybody who has not 
previously thought about Canada, I think they've kind of, they would have just got a bird's eye view of exactly what is going on. The thing with abortion, as you said, people are not talking about it. So most times, I mean, we know all sorts of details and, and info about Canada, for example, you know, your hockey teams, your, you know, the kind of things Canadians like, the kind of thing people would make jokes about the Canadians, their way of life, their culture, their customs, but nobody really thinks about the situation of abortion in in Canada. I think that's the that, that's the that's the, why I'm so grateful we have this platform focused on life, Matt, so that we can call people's attention and even our kind of re revive our own minds and our own thinking as well to think in a more focused way of okay, we know so many things about Canada, but what about abortion? What about the situation with abortion? So things like the bubble zone issue, the fact that people are not able to talk out, to speak up, but the fact that your prime minister is perhaps uh, the most one of the most most outspoken politicians in the world, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as I've seen on the issue of abortion, the fact that he also is almost like an unchallenged. Uh, you know, warrior in a, in a bad sense, if you like, that the people who stand oppos opposing to him as far as political issues are concerned, they they can't even hold up a fight against him when it comes to abortion because he, he just is such a, a promoter and a champion. I know these are kind of, uh, they connote something positive, but I'm saying this in the most negative sense possible. <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the truth is people are waking up People are waking up, and and I just hope that uh, the other uh, other political, or at least the conservative leadership, also wakes up uh, and grows a spine and challenges uh, Trudeau's horrific abortion policies over the last eight years. And you know, you mentioned Uju. It's it's you know, I'm glad people uh, who may not live in Canada, maybe some of our American audience or people who are uh, tuning in from around the world. Uh, maybe they didn't know that you know they see Justin Trudeau with his perfect hair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and they see him uh, giving speeches and uh at the united nations and he's traveling with his nice socks and his shoes and his fitted suit and and people think oh you know justin trudeau what a great politician right but they don't realize the damage he has done and how many uh, under his watch how many babies have been killed in canada and more so his foreign policy which is you know, which uh, one of his uh, former uh, foreign ministers said that abortion is at the core of Canada's foreign policy. So right. for those listening around from around the world, just understand that, yes, it's really bad in Canada when it comes to abortion. Mm -hmm. But more so, Justin Trudeau is also spending hundreds of millions of dollars to fund abortion organizations who do his dirty work around the world. And I think maybe this is a good segue to me now asking you, Uju, what is the situation of abortion across the African continent? Because yeah. we both know I'm funding some of that. As a Canadian citizen, <laughs> I am forced, our, my tax dollars go towards all these foreign feminist policy initiatives that Justin Trudeau is, is championing. And um, so what's the situation on the ground throughout Africa? Yeah, so the last 10 years, Matt, as you know, and as perhaps some of our listeners know, most of my preoccupation and my work has, would have been around looking out for what is happening across the African continent. Yes, we're actually talking about Canada. Canada is the one country. We appreciate that. But Africa 
Ah, many, many countries. So Sub-Saharan African region alone, I think it's like 42 countries. The entire African continent is about 54 countries. So things are different from one country to the next, but quite similar in many of the African regions. Um, being born and raised uh, in, in Africa or in an African country, in Nigeria more specifically, um, I think I grew up just a bit to the opposite sense of what you've talked about. I grew up in a society where abortion has always been seen as a, a like a, a horrible injustice, um, the killing of a human being, a direct attack on human life, um, something of, of an abomination in many of the African cultures, including my own. Um, I'm from the Igbo tribe, it's seeking that a mother should never be able or should never be, you know, should never find herself in a situation where she kills her own child. And um, even in my own tradition, it's like, it's seen as an abomination. Like, you know, we, sometimes the, the, our elders um, would, would make comments like um, the, the worst animals are the ones who are capable of eating their children or killing their children at birth, right? So we even have that within tradition, within proverbs, within our own local sayings, that that then filters into the perception of a pregnant woman, that a pregnant woman's, um, one of the, the highest privilege that a pregnant woman has is to protect that child that has been entrusted to her, right? So mothers uh, have the, all their children entrusted to them, but even at that earliest stage when that baby is still growing in the womb, I think that is when that woman is is seen as most responsible or most protective for, towards that child. So I was raised in the society where abortion was taken as a complete no-no. Um, you know, my in my own country, Nigeria, up until now, abortion is not legal. I repeat, abortion is not legal. Um, but it doesn't mean that we don't know what abortion is, by the way. Um, Africans know what abortion is. Um, we know what it means to get rid of a problem, um, to terminate one's worry, or to end a pregnancy before the natural end, which should be delivery. Um, we know all that. Uh, we're not uneducated people. We know what abortion looks like. We, but, but then we all admit it, including those who want to engage in this particular barbaric practice, unfortunately, we all know the one thing that abortion is definitely not a virtue. It's not a good thing. It's not a natural thing. Um, it is It is definitely a vice in society. It is a, a moral injustice. It is now, as we are discussing it, a, a human rights abuse on, on that little one who has absolutely no defense. Um, so, in the many African countries from one part to another, it is largely restricted, abortion is largely restricted. Um, it is banned in, in many regards. In some cases, there might be some exceptions that then allow it. But Matt, what we have seen in more recent years, and as I've gotten older, as I've gotten more attentive to what has been happening, as I've also become more activist within the pro-life movement, and then studying very closely, very carefully, uh, 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 what countries are doing from one part of the African continent to another, what I've noticed is that there is now more pressure in the last 10 years, a lot more pressure, a lot more 
um, persistence by the international community, by the donors, and we will talk about this in subsequent episodes, for African countries to change. So mind you, from what I've said now, I think I'd say a lot of the African countries are largely pro-life. Our populations, even without our law, will be largely pro-life, that even though, yes, somebody might find themselves in a, in a situation where they fall into this unfortunate practice of abortion, uh, but they still, even on top of that, will admit that it is a wrong. So that, that's where our societies differ from the West, that people are doing abortions, but they know it is a wrong, just like any other vice in society, um, you know, just like any other injustice is, is in a society. So, but, we all admit, and so our populations is naturally pro-life. If you, when when we've been polled at, by any of the polling organizations, international polling organizations, you find that in most of the African countries, still the majority of the people agree that abortion is 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 a wrong. It's not a it's not a right. It is not a human right. It certainly is a human wrong. Um, but then the pressure keeps coming. The pressure keeps mounting. When you look at our laws, our laws have been largely pro-life. Even a few of the African countries have pro-life constitutions where it's been written and encoded into their own constitute, national constitutions that human rights indeed uh, human life begins at conception. And some of the countries go as far as saying that they will protect the unborn uh, citizens, the unborn citizens from being killed by abortion. So mm. uh, we find different things across the continent. And, and I, I have been very grateful for that particular stance because now I appreciate it more growing up. It meant nothing to me. I was like, this is natural that yes, uh, you know, babies should be protected because they're human beings. I took that for granted. But then I came out to live in, a, in the Western world World, almost 20 years ago. Um, even though I keep going back to the African continent, I keep traveling through Africa. And I, I keep uh, working in, in collaboration with a lot of pro-life people who are situated and based in, uh, 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 at different African countries or in different African countries. But what I find is that I am now more appreciative of our stance and, and feel more than ever before that it, the time is now for us to stand and defend ourselves. As you said, the Canadian government and many other Western governments keep giving funding for the so-called you know, sexual reproductive health and rights, which we will get to again in, in subsequent episodes. But in short, in short form or in summary, countries like your smart Canada continue to, to give African countries money so that we do a range of things, including trying to shift our stance on abortion, trying to change our laws, trying to introduce bills, um, abortion bills into African parliaments. Um, and here we are, Matt, still struggling. We are still talking, out, st still talking about it. We are speaking up about it. As you said, the solution is to speak up, uh, but this is our situation, very, very different from what goes on in the West. Yeah, well, that's that was a pretty good presentation, Uju. I got a. <laughs> I was taking notes as you were speaking, uh, but yeah, you know, you know, you know. There's a few things that came to mind when you were saying all these things. Uh, firstly, I think, uh, you know, the you mentioned some of the the kind of uh, some some of the traditional sayings and the beliefs from your particular community. Yes, uh, and and some of the, the 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 messages, the stories that were shared and passed down from generation to generation, and how 
it's like life is abortion is incompatible with life, right? Because abortion can only ever mean something that is bad. It's not, it, sure. there's nothing good about it. Okay. Sure. I believe that that is the same sense. The whole world shares that because that's written on our hearts as human beings. Okay. Exactly. It's, 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 it's not unique to the African uh, people throughout Africa. It's every human being has that. And, that, and you see that even in the West. With so many women, so many moms and dads and families suffering post-abortion, right? And of course, the abortion activists are going to completely say, "Oh, you guys, that doesn't happen. You guys are that's just a lie, fake news, whatever." But it does happen, so I think they're the ones lying. Regardless, <laughs> I think the truth is, it, it it is not a good thing. And I will also add to this: you mentioned about the laws in uh, the various African countries in Canada, you know. I've only ever lived in a country where there was no uh, legal protection for children in the womb. Yes. Because in 1969, the father of our current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, was the one who, through uh, an omnibus bill uh, that changed a lot about the criminal code, uh, he actually pretty much opened the floodgates to abortion on demand. This was in 1969. Okay. Wow. So before then, abortion was considered a wrong, right? Uh, but through the activism of a lot of, uh, or not a lot, of a few people, through the media, and of course, through these horrible politicians, uh, abortion became legal. And then later on in 1988, it was then struck down. That's a whole other issue. I'm not going to get into the details, but it was considered unconstitutional. There were certain limits that the 1969 law had. So then in 1988, through the work of abortion activists and, and abortionists, uh, the Supreme Court of Canada struck down that previous law Consider, uh, deemed it unconstitutional and essentially leaving uh, the, no legal protection for children in the womb. However, in that same Supreme Court decision, the justices did say that it would be in the best interest of parliament to enact some or to enact legal protection for the fetus. Okay. So they didn't say that uh, abortion is a human right and uh, everyone should have, you know, abortions are okay. There's nothing wrong with them. They acknowledge that this is a human being living inside the womb mm -hmm. and it is in the best interest of the parliament to enact a law that would provide some legal protection, right? Yes. But that was in 1988. And to this day, we've had a lot of good, solid MPs, members of parliament who have tried and tried over and over and over again, especially in the 90s and the early 2000s. But due to the leadership of the major political parties in our country, that has yet to happen, right? Yeah. And and so I think that is, I think the point I'm trying to make is that I think we are everyone, every human being on this on the face of this world, on the face of this planet, believes is in, believes that and knows deep down that abortion yes. is wrong. Okay, but when you live in a country. And you're raised in a country with where there is no legal protection, like most of Canada ever since 1969. Okay, the law is a teacher, and this these things will shift the attitudes of people. And then when you bring in the media, you bring in more political campaigns, you bring in activism, which is obviously uh, only funded by you know these special interest groups. Mm -hmm. Then that's when cultures and and opinions begin to shift. And that's, I believe, why we are in a place today in Canada where, you know, if you look at our polling, if you look at our polling, yes. you're looking at less than 10% of Canadians believe that abortion is wrong uh, wow. in all circumstances, right? Then you have 
maybe uh, a, a, you know, 30 to 40% of people who think abortion is okay. And then you have everyone in the middle who's really kind of, I would say, uninformed and they don't really realize what abortion really is. So they have exceptions. Okay, well, I think it's okay only in this circumstance or at this, whatever, X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And my worry is that, and I'm going to ask you this question. Yes. You said that there are some countries in Africa who are legalizing abortion yes. due to the heavy pressure that they're facing from Western donors and Western nations and the United Nations. Have you seen a shift in the acceptance of abortion through some in some of these countries that did legalize or liberalize some of their abortion laws in the last, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah, so let me give an example with South Africa, because South Africa was one of the first, it wasn't the very first, but it was one of the earlier countries in Africa to legalize abortion. And guess what? It was Nelson Mandela following um, the apartheid when the world was celebrating for the fall of apartheid or the end of apartheid and we're all rejoicing and we're all lionizing this man. And, you know, who, 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 who didn't love Nelson Mandela and the image of him and what he meant to the South African people? Even I respected that. But what I didn't know and the little known fact is the fact that he was the one that brought legalized abortion to his people. So abortion was legalized in South Africa, um, you know, I think in the in the late nineties, um, as or yeah, in the, around the late nineties, and so since then, there have been two sides to it. So it's been it's now been so many years. I mean, 30, 30 odd years since abortion has been legalized in, in South Africa or 20 something odd years since, since abortion has been legalized in South Africa. And the law has continued being sort of fine-tuned. So it's gone from being liberalized to being legalized to getting more government funding, to getting international support, to getting you know, um, abortion clinics and abortion organizations come in right in like the Marie, Marie Stopes um, reproductive choices that they call themselves now used to be known as Marie Stopes International like they've established all their clinics around that country um, they've you know there have been so much um, fine-tuning if you like there's advertising you know the sleek advertising of abortion and re so-called reproductive services there are even the some of the backstreet abortions in south africa as i've noticed who also kind of come in hand in hand or side by side with these legal abortion practices and they too are advertising so in other words much has happened to spread the idea that abortion can in fact be part of our practice in this society and this is in south africa and on the other hand, there have been these polls that have also shown that very few people, I think under 10%, under 15%, I would think, who say abortion is okay. Abortion is, is not, you know, is, is actually morally okay and I can live with it. Um, but then the rest of society or a lot of people within that society still frown on abortion. Many of their medical practitioners will not practice it. Um, now, 
since that has happened, plus the ones, by the way, I've skipped those who are in the middle, who keep getting pushed back and forth. And this is because of all the influence that has come from both within the South African country and from outside of South Africa, which will be outside, like even outside of Africa, um, giving so much support to this industry that was small before, but now keeps getting bigger and bigger and more mainstream every day. So now, when you look at um, how the, let's say the fine tuning, as I called it, the, how the fine tuning of abortion practice has been happening since it was brought in, unfortunately, by President Nelson Mandela, um, is the fact that even things like the healthcare professionals who say they don't want to practice abortion, they don't want to provide abortion. In South Africa today, it is very, very difficult, if not impossible, for somebody to train in the area of gynecology and obstetrics unless you are going to take a complete full training in abortion as well. So I have some friends, for example, who are doctors in South Africa, who have decided they cannot go into gynecology even though they want to simply because they are being forced. There are many nurses who cannot be midwives or who cannot work in the gynecology area unless you are forced to be part of this or be able to provide abortion. Uh, there's also a lot of pressure on them and they've taken a page out of the, the blueprint for many of the Western countries now that we see um, where they're trying to put up things like rules and laws to make it near impossible for a doctor to completely withdraw themselves even from ref abortion referrals. So they're making it so that they can compel people even against religious convictions, even against their own moral standings. So you can see what is going on in South Africa, just like that thing you've asked me, where there have been changes, it's happened with a whole host of uh, contributors to the changes, not just a straight up change. Okay, we legalize abortion now, we all think it's okay. No, they legalized abortion and so many things, so many moving parts have been moving at the same time in the last couple of decades to ensure that abortion is really instilled and ingrained into that society and to make it more and more difficult with time for them to ever go back. But guess mm -hmm. what, Matt? Their, their tradition still remains. The things that your grandparents told you, the, the language, the culture, the attitude and the perception of your own traditional heritage, as far as a pregnant woman is concerned, as far as a child and woman is concerned, that is always there in the South African society. That has, that has still not changed. And those who object to it, as a matter of fact, is partly because of that tradition which refuses to be squashed by, by, you know, by Western world and the development that has come, the so-called development that has come by the introduction of abortion. And I know that this is exactly how it probably could play out if any other African country goes the, the same route. There are other Af African countries where abortion have, have, has recently been legalized or liberalized. And the answer to your question is no, the people still remain adamant that the child in the womb is precious and the child in the womb is a human being who should be protected by law. You know, that's that's fascinating. It's interesting because it seems like you have uh, countries who yeah. where abortion is illegal. And then, you know, you have the big Western donors, Western organizations, the big lobby groups and, and the United Nations as one of them. Uh, they go into these countries. 
their first step is to try to liberalize the laws. So if you can legalize it, then that's, but that they don't end there. It seems like as soon as something is legalized, that's when the big abortion machine comes into that country, right. setting up clinics and health centers and advertising and then education. And then that is really the, where the, where the, where the, um, where the manipulation comes into place. And that's where they're starting to cha change attitudes and perceptions. And it seems like in North America, at least, or in Canada, that has worked because yeah. the polls reflect that where only 10 less than 10 percent of canadians opposed to all abortion no 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 you know no restrictions no compromises right and that's the group i fall into yeah and yet in south africa that has been bombarded with abortion propaganda for the last 20 30 years yeah for some reason the south african south Af african people are still much more aligned with their traditions and their values that they were brought up in than the the kind of the Western abortion ideology. And I think that's very fascinating. The question is, why are the Africans, why are Africans sticking to their guns, right? And their traditions. Meanwhile, us Westerners, we just kind of crumble away and just accept everything that the government tells us. I don't know, Ma. I think it's because I think the Africans, we are still further backwards than as far as that our culture and heritage is concerned, we're still a lot closer, I would say, to where we've come from. Because if you think about it, our history is 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 long, yes, but our our you know the Western education and Western influence have only just come, you know, in the last two hundred years, less than two hundred years since colonization, and then of course with the case of South Africa apartheid. So we are still very much connected. We still very much hearken to what our heritage, you know, the uh, the our roots, I'd say, um, and the Africans are always very. A lot, a lot of Africans, at least, are, are still connected to like the way we eat, the way we dress, the way we even our own native language and all that. But the 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 thing that people don't realize is that the the culture of life, if I can put it that way, the culture of life, and this perception that human life is in fact sacred and 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 uh, precious is somehow woven even in our native language. So in my own tribe, um, the Igbo, um, I'm from the Igbo ethnic group in Nigeria, southeastern part of Nigeria, we don't have a word that directly translates to fetus, but we have a way of saying uh, baby in the womb. We call the, the baby in the womb, the baby in the womb is a direct translation. So it's it's the child in the stomach, if I can put it out, the child in the tummy, you know. So when you say the child that is still inside the mother, it is very hard for that same brain where that translation or that language is coming from can, can then turn around and say, it's not a child, but well, your native tongue says it is, you see. So it's very hard, I think, for, for that dichotomy to occur with, from one person to another, even though I know that with the kind of strong influence we have now, a lot of the young Africans are in this position where things are very difficult, Matt. Many of them are on social media, many of them are on Facebook, on Instagram, and they're seeing this fast-paced, beautiful, shiny life from the West, and many of them are turning further and further away from our traditions. So, but 
I know that we are still largely pro-life communities, but Matt, I worry. I worry for my own people because the kind of education our young people are uh, exposed to, the kind of marketing, I would say, of this Western life that is coming towards the African young, I don't know how long we can hold on. I don't know how long we can hold on. I'm hoping that we can together, like, you know, all of us within the pro-life movement can help to wake people up and say, this is where the West is now. See where Canada is, this 10%, only 10% are the ones who can say life is precious. We can warn people just by pointing that out and giving it as a cautionary tale. Um, but I don't think we're out of the woods yet, Matt. We are just further behind you. Um, I, yeah. I have a solution, Uju. I think <laughs> we need to spread this podcast we far need to spread the podcast <laughs> throughout the African continent so that all of the next generation of African young people <laughs> will be will be repeating our talking points and not the talking points of Planned Parenthood and MSI yeah. and all these other pro-abortion groups. <laughs> That's true, Matt. We should get everyone. We should get this on blast. We should get this on blast. Focused on life. Let people be focused on life. Let them be focused on the sanctity of human life, on the human rights issue of our time, which of course is in the protection of, of the you know of of everyone, including the babies in the womb. That's right, Uju. I feel like we. Uh, I'm just looking at the time here, and yeah. we're over fifty minutes already. Oh dear. Uh, I think uh, so. Uh, but this is this is great. It just proves it yeah. just shows, you know, we knew this was going to happen. We once we start talking about <laughs> these issues, it's it could be hours and hours. But we're not we decided not to do a, a long discussion format podcast for a reason. Yes. We said, let's mm -hmm. keep this to under 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I think our listeners, if you liked what you heard today, um, uh, join us for our next episode. And uh, one, one thing I want to add, though. Uh, just yes. for our audience. So we talked a lot about abortion today, of course, because it is the biggest human rights issue of our time. It is. But in this podcast, we're not only going to be talking about abortion. Right, Uju? That's right, Matt. We, I mean, abortion is front and center. It is the ground zero, I think, of all culture wars. But we are very much interested on the various ideological wars, the various culture wars, the things that are relevant to our time. But abortion, of course, had to be front and center. And yes, Matt, we agreed once we decided to do this podcast that we will start by just taking the bulls by the horns um, and just getting this issue right out there. It is the important issue of our time. And then there's so many other issues and we will be going through so many of these issues. And I hope that our dear friends, listeners will stay with us and uh, just keep join in with us and if there's anything that you hear that you want to talk to us about that you want to respond to um please email us and matt you're going to give us the details isn't it <laughs> that's right email <laughs> us at focused on life podcast at gmail.com again you can follow uju directly on twitter at obianuju and on her instagram at obianuju.ekeocha you can follow, uh, well, not me, because like I mentioned in the previous episode, <laughs> my Twitter account's really not that exciting. But definitely <laughs> follow uh, Campaign Life Coalition at Campaign Life. And um, shoot us an email if you have any questions. Uh, oh, one more thing. Our website, uh, it's it's in the works. It's in progress. It's, it's kind of, it's almost done. We just have to... Uh, finalize it but we do hope to have uh, our, our own uh, like a landing page for our podcast in the next few days or weeks 
And um, I think that's about it, Uju. What else? And what, what else would we what would our website be, Matt? Oh my gosh, I, I keep it's forgetting the URL. Yeah, but it's I know it. Yeah, so it's it's focused on livepodcast.com. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're going to include the descriptions and the links uh, below, uh, below on our podcast page. Uh, so you can get them there. And um, great conversation, Uju. This was a really good conversation. I really, I actually learned something from you today. And I, I thought, I, I know everything since, you know, I, <laughs> I saw the movie. Since I saw the movie. Didn't read exactly. The book. <laughs> All right. Please don't be like, Matt, read the book, Target Africa. I, I actually write a lot about the African perspective of abortion, the situation, the African continent, you can see it on, you can find it on Amazon, any of your Amazon websites. Um, Target Africa is the name of the book. The documentary is Strings Attached. Thank you so much, Matt, for such wonderful discussion today. I knew it to be like this because anytime I discuss with you, even on the phone, we go on for, you know, we could easily go on for hours. So thank you That's for right. a great episode on the human rights issue of our time. And dear friends, thank you so much for being with us today. We hope to speak with you or to you next week in the next episode. Take care. God bless.